You are listening in on LEAP. Today's episode features LEAP Forward's speech and language pathologist Tyler Schote and Abby Gray, starting the conversation about speech and language comprehension. Okay, so I think that the, for me, for me this isn't really a hot topic. I, I feel like it doesn't come up a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's one of the kind of rare gems of what we do as speech-language pathologists in this kind of population. I, I feel like when, when parents kind of come to the speech pathologist or they, they want, you know, an evaluation or to get help or whatever, it's like uh, the conversation very quickly goes to when will he start talking? How can we help him to use words? Um, and it's very focused on communication and talking and speech. Um, and language comprehension, which is kind of the the step before talking isn't always kind of the highest priority. And I think it's kind of like the missing step for Mm -hmm. a lot of folks um, who don't really see that comprehension, language comprehension is necessary for talking. Um, So I feel like we get a lot of parents, we, we talk to a lot of parents who aren't necessarily thinking about language comprehension as something that we might need to work on Mm -hmm. or um, something that might be a challenge for their child. I think a lot of parents assume that their kids are comprehending language every day, and more than parents. I think a lot of teachers assume that kids are comprehending language all of the time, but it's a developmental task that all young people are working on. Which I think also makes it tricky because the kiddos that talk a lot, that have a ton of words, may not necessarily be understanding the language. And so when you get a kid like that, a parent's like, oh, he's understanding, he's talking, let's just figure out how to make his speech more organized, but then you kind of have to take a step back and look, what what is he talking about? Is there meaning around what he's talking about? Does he understand what he's talking about? I think those kids almost are trickier because mm-hmm. it's harder to help teachers and parents understand that we have to take a step back and really look at what the kid is understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One, one of my mentors, or one of all of our mentors here at Lee, Sherry Khan, she talks about this idea of Swiss cheese in development, and the you know the point that she's trying to make is that um, sometimes you know time moves on and kids learn how to do things that they need to learn how to do to get by each day, um, and that they might have skipped developmental steps and they might have uh, picked up new skills that they weren't necessarily ready for, um, like talking, for example, and that that creates Swiss cheese in development. It creates these holes in development. Um, And kids are talking and talking and talking. Some of the kids that we work with are talking so much, just like Abby said, um, but not necessarily having filled in the kind of foundational um, steps in language comprehension to be talking. Mm -hmm. And we see these big holes in their development, which Abby's saying is really, really tricky for parents and teachers because when we see a kid who's talking, we assume that they're comprehending, and they might not always be. So we could be creating this really tricky situation where we're talking to a child on a level that we assume they, they can understand, and they're just really confused because they're not understanding the things that we're saying to them. Mm-hmm. And are there things that, obviously there are, but like, what are some of the like red flags or orange flags that you, that you notice in, in a situation like that, where the kid is... A motor mouth and or the kid that's talking to a ton and then they're not comprehending a lot sure Mm -hmm. good question Um, I think for me um, some of the bigger red flags are 
kids who um, might be talking a lot, but they might be um, repeating back things that you've said to them. Um, sometimes people call that echolalia, some, um, but it has lots of different names and can look a lot of different ways. But when kids kind of repeat back things that you've said to them, you get a sense that it kind of feels like they, they know that they need to respond, they have something to say, um, and they want to take that turn and they want to be with you and stay with you and have this conversation with you, but they haven't comprehended your language enough to, to kind of generate this novel response. And so they kind of just feedback what it, whatever it was that they heard. Um, and so we'll see that happen kind of right there in the moment. We'll ask questions to a child like, um, can you find your shoes? And they might say back, shoes? And just kind of repeat back what it was. Uh, that might be a red flag for me that that child doesn't necessarily know that I want them to go and look for their shoes. So I'll say, yeah, your shoes. Let's go find them. And then I'll say, you know, follow me. And we'll, we'll point, you know, under his bed or at the in his locker where his shoes might be. Because uh, him kind of repeating back that word to me is a red flag for me that he didn't quite understand what I said. And that he might need a little bit more help to find his shoes. Got it. Um, but that's just one kind of example of one red flag. Yeah. I feel like for kids who really look like they're understanding and they are using tons of words, I think sometimes what helps figure out that they're not fully comprehending what's going on is kind of going off topic. Like you're in a conversation and then they are saying what you're saying, kind of what Tyler was saying, repeating the same words you're saying, and then they just totally change the topic. Um, I think that's a big red flag for me. Or even like... I'm thinking of a specific video of a kid that we watched once that um, someone was giving him like directions of something to do and he's repeating the directions back to her and like they're going back and forth making sure he's understanding all these directions and the um, therapist that was talking to the boy was using way too much language. She didn't realize it but she was just spitting out a ton of language because he seems like he would be the kind of kid that would comprehend that much language and then after giving all those directions it was time to go like execute the direction and he was just completely lost. Um, and he like remembered some of the words from the directions and he would go approach like I think one of the directions was to find the musical instrument behind the tree so he found like a tree but he couldn't put all the pieces together so I think being able to understand how much language you're using when you're in a conversation with a child can really impact you know what they're understanding and then you're able to see those breakdowns when they're kind of following through on a direction mm -hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense mm -hmm. um our kind of you know clinical word for for that the way that we talk about that professionally and clinically is um we use this idea of contingency can can a child uh, create contingent responses? That means related or connected responses to the things that you're saying. And when we see a, a child who's using a lot of non-contingent responses, things that don't necessarily relate or connect to what you've said to them, that's definitely a red flag for a comprehension challenge. So when a, when a parent says like, um, good morning, it's, it's so good to see you this morning, what do you want for breakfast? And the kid says, do you like Star Wars? <laughs> that might be a red flag for me, that mm -hmm. that child doesn't necessarily know exactly what uh, the parent has asked them or said to them. And they're filling it with something that they enjoy talking about or mm -hmm. learning about or playing with Star Wars. For me, just interacting with all kinds of children, it's it would be 
important as a parent and or just a human to know when a kid's getting distracted or when a kid's not comprehending and Mm -hmm. like really kind of hone into is this happening all the time Mm -hmm. or is this happening when they really just want to talk about Star Wars (laughs) or something's distracting them or what's happening. That's a really, really good point. Mm -hmm. Um, Another mentor of mine, Michelle Ricamato, told me once that um, kind of, you know, walking into a situation, observing a child assume that kids pay attention to the things that they understand. So if a kid is having a hard time understanding, if a kid's having a hard time understanding something, he might get distracted by the other things in his environment because they mean more to him. Mm -hmm. He he understands more about other things than what you're talking about uh, or than the game that you're trying to play. So if you're playing Candyland and, you know, you got to spin the spinner or pick a card and then move your your man and um, who's going to get to the peppermint forest or all of this kind of language that we're playing with and we see the kid get up and zip away and play ball, it might be because he's just not got enough meaning attached to this game and can't quite connect all the pieces yet um and on the surface he's gonna look distracted so we might say like oh come on back johnny we're gonna finish this candyland game um without kind of realizing that what's hard about the candyland game isn't that i'm having a hard time focusing it's that i'm having a hard time understanding what to do or what it all means that makes sense that's a great example yeah Yeah. the distractibility thing is Mm -hmm. definitely connected to the language comprehension piece Mm -hmm. i think that happens with adults Right? Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, sure. not, that doesn't just happen with stick, kids. Yeah. Like, I stick mean, me in an electrical engineering class. Yeah, and, and I, <laughs> I'll be like, Walking Dead looks like a really good show right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, exactly. I'm not gonna want to study this. So that makes total sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but I think we miss it sometimes mm-hmm. when we're working with little kids mm-hmm. because little kids get distracted by all kinds of fun things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like another topic very similar to that is when parents are like, Oh, but my kid is just stubborn like he just doesn't want to do what you're asking him to do it's not that he doesn't understand it he just really just doesn't want to do it Mm. so i think that kind of plays a part also with the attention but what we always talk about tyler and i is like kids want to interact kids want to be with you and they want to play with you and it's not that they don't want to be there they want to try and figure it out so in those moments it's um important to recognize that it could be a comprehension challenge because they want to be with you and they want to play that game. Mm-hmm. And it might look like they walk away and they're like, no, no. But really, it's just too high. It's too confusing for them. They right. might just not be comprehending yeah. it. Yeah. Now, when a kid walks into the first day of first grade and meets his new teacher who's like a brand new person and really different and maybe kind of scary, um, if that kid's having a hard time following directions, it might be because this relationship is really new and mm-hmm. he doesn't quite know what to expect and or how to behave in this, in this new relationship, in this new context. But with parents at home, in good relationships, kids want to be with you and they they want to follow your directions and they want to comply it's not always easy um Mm -hmm. but we try not to assume that kids are being stubborn just for the sake of being stubborn yeah Mm -hmm. and when we do that it really helps us to kind of stay focused on kids strengths Mm -hmm. as opposed to their weaknesses Mm -hmm. when we walk in kind of assuming that a kid just really wants to be with us and wants to play with us it really helps us to look for the strengths in kids and not focus as much on the weaknesses Mm -hmm. because we can get really caught in that i think Mm -hmm. sometimes too and how does that play into like attention span which may go into a whole different 
spin. Sure. But like you can have a kid that's engaged in playing like for example Candyland mm-hmm. or like Shoots and Ladders for a while mm-hmm. and then at some point they're like mm, I'm done with this game. And I don't sure. know if you've hit a comprehension. They've been playing the game fine. They've been going along well and then mm-hmm. you just hit a roadblock of like Mm -hmm. I'm over this. No, that could be really, really hard to kind of flesh out. Mm -hmm. Those things can be really different. Um, They both happen. It depends on the child, too, for sure. Definitely depends on the child and the level of language comprehension. Mm -hmm. But um, that's when you can lean on a good, developmentally focused speech language pathologist Mm -hmm. who can point out um, specific points in that game of Candyland that says, there was no language really happening. It was his turn. He was excited to play his turn. And then all of a sudden, something switched and he decided to play something else. That might be more of an attention span issue. But when we notice those things come right after some language that we know that a child doesn't understand, then I'm more likely to kind of Mm -hmm. throw that into the language comprehension category. Mm -hmm. But you need a really skilled speech-language pathologist who can evaluate that and figure out what kinds of language a child can understand and what kinds of language a child cannot understand Mm -hmm. um, to kind of flesh those two things out. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So the whole, like, just kind of, like, child development in general, you know, kids are able to do things, um, you know, simple things early on and then more complex things later. Um, When a child is a baby, there's not a whole lot that they can do. Uh, But then by the time that they're two years old, they can do a whole lot of things, right? Things, uh, that's how development works. Um, And just like child development in general, comprehension works like that as well. So that there's simple bits of language that a child can understand first. Um, So for example, one of the very first things that a child can understand is attending to his caregiver's voice to pay attention to something. So when a plane flies by overhead and mom says, Johnny, look at that, and points up, Johnny knows to kind of look up at that plane and pay attention to it. Um, He doesn't necessarily know what look means at nine months old, um, but he knows to pay attention to his mommy's voice and to look up at that airplane. Um, So first, they're able to understand that. And way down the line, they're able to understand simple questions like, where's daddy today? He's at work. Um, And so it it kind of works in that developmental way where first kids are able to understand some kinds of language, simple bits. And then there's all of these developmental steps, tons and tons and tons of tiny bits of um, growth in the complexity of the language that kids are able to understand. Um, And it's the SLP's job, the speech-language pathologist's job, to kind of figure out where in that progression are this kid's skills. We can find out what can you understand, what can you not understand, and how do we close the gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. That's very clear. (laughs) Good. (laughs) It's very clear, but it's very hard. Very complicated. It's very complicated. It's hard to tease everything out. For sure. I still, almost with every kid I'm working with, I'll have a session and I'm like, what did you just do? Like, what did that mean? Yeah. And we always talk about just different cases, trying to figure mm-hmm. out like what little cues kids give really truly mean. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tease out. Yeah. We can spend hours just kind of sitting in our offices saying like, but do you think he really understands it? Or yeah, he definitely understands that. He knows what we're talking about. Let's move on to the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, but it can be really hard to tease out. And you got to find a really good speech pathologist to help you out. Mm-hmm. That's intense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it could be a little bit scary, but um, I think the scarier thing is glossing over it. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the scarier thing is assuming that my child can understand 
everything I say to him and then you know bathing him in all of this language that he's just not understanding right and creating these big holes of confusion and anxiety and Mm -hmm. when we don't understand what's going on when we don't know what's happening uh, it can be really unsettling for us and it can really kind of knock us off of our feet and make us feel really anxious if you're not going to know what's going to happen next or Mm -hmm. what's going on or who's supposed to be there where am I going to be right Mm -hmm. that's kind of scary yeah for kids for adults for for, yeah yeah I know you had talked in an internal meeting that we had Mm -hmm. um about just breaking up language to make sure kids are understanding like slowing down pause like Mm -hmm. being intentional with pauses and things like that Mm -hmm. and I think that for me was smart even just interacting with kids that I interact with on a daily basis um if you want to talk more to that yeah sure Mm -hmm. um yeah I think that's like one of the best strategies that you can use to help kids understand just waiting pausing giving them time to process what it is you gave them language based wise um but I think you know the more language you give the more confusing it can get so kind of trying to figure out the kid's level and how much language you should be using and then taking it down a notch. Um, But yeah, those pauses and waits definitely help. Um, And I think one thing that's helpful about the pauses and waiting is that because we're so used to kind of speaking at a a rate where people can kind of keep up with us as adults, um, because we're waiting for these kids um, and putting pauses into our, our language and these phrases that we use, I think it sometimes encourages us as adults to do something else um, to, to boost the kind of meaning of the whole phrase. So we might like add in a gesture or we might uh, like really use our facial expressions to kind of draw even more meaning mm-hmm. to what we're saying. So for example, like um, a parent could say something like, we got to find your shoes. Look, they're under the table. It's time to go. That's a lot of language, just in that one phrase. But if we could slow it down and say, look, it's under, and then point under the table and say, under the table. And just using that simple pause right in between under and the table can kind of cue us as an adult or a clinician or a parent Mm -hmm. to do something with our bodies or with our face or with our words to draw even more meaning to what under means. Mm -hmm. So if a child isn't understanding space language like, under, behind, next to, below, over, um, those kinds of things can really help mm-hmm. to connect the dots. Yeah, and I will say, previous to working here and in this environment, even though I interact with kids regularly, like that, that sentence is nothing that I would ever think twice about mm-hmm. slowing down. Um, it would just be like, let's find your shoes. They're under the table. Like it would be a very like, mm-hmm. let's go, let's go. Um, quick thing and now it's definitely something that I think twice I think it's for me it was a big eye opener for something that's fairly simple and makes very a lot of sense to be like Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking very quickly to a little human Mm -hmm. who is probably like that's a lot of words at one time yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and you're asking me to also move my body and Mm -hmm. like do do something (laughs) solve a problem right Mm -hmm. right where when sometimes when someone barks at me like that like not even I wasn't barking in like a negative way but like mm-hmm. speaks quickly to me like that I sure. it takes me a minute yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and I have more time on the planet than where I've <laughs> learned how to process those things faster so right I think that's too one of those strategies that 
anybody could do tomorrow. Yeah. You know, we could we could help. We could give that strategy to a parent over the phone, and they could make that change tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of other strategies that are like have a lot more kind of nuance to them, and you really kind of need the help of a professional to really put it all together. So, for example, like choosing the right kinds of words. Mm-hmm. Um, That's where I was gonna yeah. you next. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, just like understanding that, like taking Tyler's example with the shoes, for example. Before we go to the car, you need to go get your shoes and then, you know, something like that. But the words like before and after and then, those can get really tricky for kids. So just understanding the types of words you're using within those sentences is like a big part to mm-hmm. the comprehension piece. And that's something where, that's a space where the SLP can really kind of guide mm-hmm. parents and teachers. Is, mm-hmm. um we're trained to know about this kind of special relationship between cognition and language and the way that kids kind of make meaning around the world and understand the world and the way that we use language to do that. And one thing that we know is that time concepts, like before, after, later, they take a really long time to develop. They're really hard to understand, uh, but we use them every day like like it's nothing. and so just that simple kind of tip from Abby, kind of avoiding words like before and after, kind of uh, fixing them. Like Abby's example was mm-hmm. before we get in the car, we have to get your shoes. Mm-hmm. And so the way that it's set up is car and then shoes, when really what we want is shoes and then car. Um, and so just kind of helping parents to switch the order of the way that they present words like that mm-hmm. uh, is something that probably a lot of people don't think about, but it's kind of... First thing, literally, until the... you just said that, I was like, "What?" Right. I would probably say that to my nieces, like on a regular basis, like mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. in like reversing orders like mm-hmm. that yeah. all the time. And, and then this... I probably get frustrated when they're like, <coughs> "I'm doing, I'm what just you gonna sit no on the couch and yeah. stare at you, exactly. <laughs> or like exactly. continue playing until I figure out what I want to do next." Mm-hmm. Because and this is not you know, like a, a special needs issue. No. Um, all, all children are developing the ability to comprehend language. Mm-hmm. And all children take a long time to integrate concepts of time into their language and their cognition. Um, and, and so even thinking about like our family members who don't have special needs or, or challenges kind of understanding language. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are kind of concepts that we can think about for all kids. Mm-hmm. This has yeah. been very informative for me. <laughs> I really like learning about my job <laughs> and children. That's awesome. We love it. Um, I don't know. Are there any other, like, you feel like burning questions? Or, mm-hmm. Abby, do you think parents have other questions that you hear a lot? I'm trying to think. Um, I think, like... One question that we hear a lot of parents talk about, again, kind of getting back to what we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. was is just, I have a child, I love him so much, he's bright, he's funny, we know he has some challenges, but when is he going to talk? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we get that question a lot. Mm-hmm. And it's a really tricky question for the <laughs> speech pathologist because... We can't always know that. We, we don't always know exactly what's going on. But one thing that we do know is that kids need a lot of time comprehending language and understanding what's going on in their world before they start to talk about it. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Kids talk about what they know about. Mm -hmm. And if they're having a hard time knowing about the world and their routine and the people in it, then it's going to take some time for them to be able to talk. Mm -hmm. Now, (laughs) there are some other things that can keep kids from talking, even when they are comprehending, that the um, that speech-language pathologists um, treat and, and work with all the time. So for example, like the idea of childhood apraxia um, is something that some families are, are dealing with. Abby, it's a little bit more of an area that you work in. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk about that? Yeah, so childhood apraxia is more they know what they want to say and they have the comprehension around it. Sometimes not necessarily, but it's more of like a motor speech disorder. So the muscles, it's really hard for them to form those actual words. Okay. Um, and so they might have the knowledge and the experience around a specific toy or game, but then when trying to produce the language around that activity, it's actually like a motor-based problem. Um, okay. So that's something we don't necessarily see a ton here. There's a couple kiddos, but... Um, and they could have also comprehension problems also, um, but it's all based on like that motor processing. Um, so these yeah. the, these kinds of cases can be kind of tricky, right? Because these are kids who might be comprehending quite a bit of language, mm-hmm. um, of spoken language, but are still not talking. Mm-hmm. Um, but their the reason might not be because they're having so many challenges in language comprehension. And with kiddos with like true apraxia of speech, you see like kind of like a groping around the mouth. Like you can just see that struggle of trying to get a word out. Mm-hmm. Um, As opposed to a child who has a language comprehension problem where we might see just honestly a little bit more confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, so while this child, mm-hmm. the, with a child who has uh, apraxia of speech, might be kind of physically kind of trudging through the word, mm-hmm. trying to get this word out of their mouth. Uh, the child with a language comprehension problem might look at you with like the raised eyebrows and like, dude, I just really don't know what you want me mm-hmm. to do right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's how sometimes we kind of flesh out that difference. Yeah, so definitely a lot of parents will approach us saying, he's not talking, like, is there more things happening that we just don't know about? Like hinting at, like, does my child have apraxia? But you just have to look at the two and see, like, are they actually struggling to get those words out physically? Or in like kind of, um, have like a pa- it's a kind of like a pattern the way that you're moving your mouth is there like something that's stuck I guess mm-hmm. um, yeah. or is it that confused look mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and now you know we don't want to kind of dichotomize everything into these two groups mm-hmm. but um, you know there's a, a billion reasons why a mm-hmm. child might not be talking um, but these are kinds of the things that we see the most often, I think. And every therapeutic approach is going to be individualized and exactly or how the child is, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, processing and comprehending and all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that wraps up for today. So thanks for listening in on Leap. Leap Forward is a pediatric developmental clinic and therapeutic preschool and transitional kindergarten operating in Chicago with experts in occupational therapy, speech and language pathology, social work, developmental therapy, and early intervention. To speak with the professionals you heard today or talk to someone at Leap about your child, you can find us at leapforward.com. That's L-E-E-P forward.com.